because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome from me. My name's George. Um, I'm uh, occasionally working here at St. Nick's. Um, and this morning we're looking at our next little passage in Ephesians. Um, so if you could turn uh, to our second reading um, in Ephesians 6. And before we do uh, look at that together, let me pray. You know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, uh, whether they are slave or free. Lord, thank you that you are the one who uh, holds all things in your hands, uh, all good things. And we pray that as uh, uh, we look at your word this morning, you would uh, teach us. And please give us teachable and humble hearts uh, that we might honour you more as our Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, we were thinking about parenting. And the week before, about marriage. Now today, uh, we are going to be thinking about work and what the gospel teaches us about work. Now, work divides us, doesn't it, as a society. Lots of us hate, if we're honest, hate our jobs. We feel very negative about work. And working five days a week is a necessary evil. Take the English writer Charles Lamb, who said, I always arrive late at the office, but I make up for it by leaving early. (laughs) Is that you? 
or J.M. Barry, the creator of Peter Pan. Nothing has really worked unless you'd rather be doing something else. Well, some of us hate work, but others of us, probably maybe more of us, uh, love our jobs. Perhaps we're even driven by our jobs. And we love to work hard. Perhaps we're climbing the ladder of our career and aiming for the next promotion or pay rise. Uh, This kind of attitude is latent in the American dream. Take uh, Barack Obama who said this, uh, The best way not to feel hopeless is to get up and do something. Don't wait for good things to happen to you. If you go out and make some good things happen, you'll fill the world with hope. And you'll fill yourself with hope. Or another American, Ralph Emerson, Without ambition, one starts nothing. Without work, one finishes nothing. The prize will not be sent to you, you have to win it. I wonder which uh, of those two uh, extremes uh, represents you and your attitude. Because there is a spectrum, isn't there, of work. On the one hand, you could say some of us uh, work to live. Work to live. In other words, uh, work is just something that we tolerate. Um, We sit through our desks Monday to Friday, counting the days to the weekends where real life begins. But on the other, there's what you could say the attitude where we live to work. Life is all about work and about the prestige that it brings. Uh, But that latter view actually can be quite toxic. Um, I read an interesting book lately by a psychologist who makes the case that one reason that depression is such a prevalent thing in the West, uh, particularly since the 1950s, is linked to our work habits. Now, of course, since the 50s, um, our society has become a lot more affluent. Um, But rather than making us happier, uh, one of the consequences of wealth and affluence is, uh, is kind of comparison. So as, uh, as your friend's wealth increases, well, so you feel the pressure to keep up. And so our workplaces can be characterised by real drivenness to overtake our colleagues. And so we work longer hours and we become slaves to our jobs, not only to prove to ourselves and our colleagues that we're better than them in some way, but also to earn more so that we can keep up with a lifestyle that perhaps we feel we deserve or that our friends and neighbours enjoy. Well, some of us love work, some of us hate it. I wonder where you are on that spectrum. I guess here at St Nick's there'll be lots of jobs represented. Uh, Many of us will be retired, uh, perhaps not in paid employment anymore. Uh, Some of you might work in the engineering sector, uh, quite big in Stevenage. Some of you might be part-time, perhaps juggling uh, a job with being a, a parent, a mother or a carer. Some of you will will still be at school. Perhaps some of you will be unemployed. Uh, Well, I wonder what your situation is. Just have a think. And think, where where do you sit on that spectrum? Do you love work or do you hate it? Probably depends slightly on the day. Well, into our experience with work, what does the Gospel say? What does the Christian faith say to our jobs and our work life? Uh, Well, the Gospel kind of cuts right through those distinctions and sort of gets to the heart of the matter. It transforms the way that we approach our work. Now, um, today's passage is all about work. Now, it's not everything that the Bible says about work, um, but it gives us an important principle to apply. And central to that principle is the idea of who we work for. 
who we work for. That's how this passage sort of enters the world of work. And so it speaks in the language of employers and employees, of slaves and masters. Just a quick aside, this passage isn't condoning slavery. Uh, The word that's translated slaves um, is elsewhere in the New Testament translated as servants. Um, In the New Testament, slavery uh, was very common. Um, sort of uh, attaching yourself to a household um, was, was very normal. Uh, think of this like the normal work context. Now, the important message this morning is this, I think. Uh, if we want to transform our view of work, well, we need to hear this. Whether we are employees or employers, if we are Christian believers, then uh, we do all of our work under the lordship of Christ. We do all of our work under the Lordship of Christ. Uh, In our workplace, we are really Jesus' servants. He is our true master, our true boss, if you like. And it is out of that relationship that all of our other work relationships flow. So that's our main idea this morning. If we're Christian believers, then we do all of our work under the Lordship of Christ. And there are two headings. Uh, You might have a sheet um, that was at the door... um, Uh, The first is to a message to employees. Uh, Obey Christ by treating your boss with respect. Message to employees. Treat uh, your boss with respect. That is how you obey Christ. And this is verses 5 to 8. So let's look down at verse 5. Uh, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, who's writing uh, this letter to a group of Christians, um, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. In other words, very simply, uh, your boss is the boss. So respect their authority over you. And that means three things in the passage. It means, very simply, obeying them. So your boss tells you to do something. Christian, you should do it. Don't complain, don't rebel, obey. It's not that there's no reason, there's no room for discussion, but even if there's a problem, we are to respect the authority of our bosses. And respecting them not only means obeying them, but it means working hard for them. See that verse 7, a little bit further down, being wholehearted, wholehearted, not lazy or half-hearted, No, it's doing all you can to put your boss's vision into practice. And respecting your boss also means working with integrity. See verse 6. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. In other words, you obey your boss in public when their eye is on you and in private. See, it's not just doing the minimum that you can get away with just to kind of keep the boss happy. But even when he's not looking or she's not looking, doing your best to obey them. When you take your laptop home for a a work day uh, away from the office, uh, um, even though your bosses can't see you, Christian, you're to work just as hard for them. I've been reading this week um, a uh, um, fascinating book, uh, Fire and Fury. It's um, Michael Wolff's account of the Trump White House. Now, there have been a few books, haven't there, lately, um, of sort of life in the Trump White House. And um, when you're thinking about w- the workplace, it's a fascinating uh, insight. Um, and just an interesting example in this account of the Trump campaign before um, 
Trump won the election um, of a lack of integrity. Now, um, as we know, the Trump campaign was reckless with uh, its moral standards in the run-up to the election. Just think Russia. But it's quite interesting. In part, that was because they didn't... If this book is to be believed, it's in part because they didn't think they would win. They thought they could get away with it. They thought it didn't really matter how they behaved because, well... They they wouldn't be elected, and so they wouldn't be held accountable. But of course, they were. See, it's a lesson in accountability. Integrity matters because accountability is real. You see, you'll be slack when the boss isn't looking if you think you'll get away with it. But you see, Christian, part of working under Jesus' lordship is knowing that his eye is on you all the time. And so you are accountable to him for the work that you do. So work hard, even when the boss isn't looking. It's a very simple message, really, to employees. Obey Christ by treating your boss with respect. But why? What's behind this instruction? Well, remember that the context of these verses is back, actually, in verse 21 of of chapter 5. Just look back um, over uh, the previous page, verse 21 of chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence. For Christ, The big theme of this week and last week and the week before is submission. Paul says that our submission to Christ should be reflected in our submission to other sources of authority. So in marriage, in parenting and now in work. See, the radical truth is that, Christian, you're not really working for your boss. You're working for Jesus. He is your true work boss. Even if you're self-employed. Uh, Jesus is really your boss. He is the one who you work for. And that's an amazing thing to grasp. Because you see, actually, you might be working for a terrible boss. Uh, It's very hard, isn't it, sometimes to respect our bosses if they're actually not a very good boss. Uh, I remember one uh, summer job I had was working in um, in a detergent factory. Uh, It was was terrible. Um, But you see... Christian, if you're, even if you're working in a bad job or you don't like your job or your boss is a bit of a bully, well, behind them stands Jesus. Uh, we work for Christ. And that means that it's Jesus who rewards us. Uh, do you see that in verse 8? It's the Lord who rewards us for all the good that we do. And so that's the incentive to work hard with integrity. So don't clock off 15 minutes just before the end of your shift because no one will see it. Don't use your work phone for personal calls or go on Facebook in the office just because your boss won't know. No, Jesus sees it. And it pleases him when we work with integrity and we work hard for him. Uh, Even if you have a boss that you don't respect, uh, you can and still respect them because of Jesus, who stands behind them. He is the one that we work for. You see, employees, obey Christ by treating your boss uh, with respect. Now, let's just think a little bit about this uh, idea of, of the, bo- the boss. Because respect is hard if we, if we have a bad boss. I remember um, working uh, for a, um, a, a man who I, who I found really hard. Who was, if your boss is, is a little bit of a bully, or if you're kind of scared of your boss... How does that work? Well, think about the boss. You see, the, the boss has power, don't they? And that's what 
What's, that's what can be hard. What kind of power does your boss have? Well, they have the power, if you like, to reward you with promotions or with a bonus. In a way, your boss has a certain power over your bank statements, over your future financial security, perhaps your pension fund. In a way, your boss has a certain control over your reputation, uh, don't they? If you do well, well, your career will kind of advance. In a way, your boss has a certain power to destroy you, your reputation, your money, your lifestyle. The kind of person you marry or the house you buy, in a way it's determined by the job that you have and the boss that you have. Well, think then about Jesus and his kind of lordship and mastery. Just look back in Ephesians to chapter 1 and verse 22, right at the beginning of the letter. Chapter 1 verse 22, and just see what kind of boss Jesus is, what kind of master uh, Jesus is. Verse 22. Uh, 21 and tw- fact, sorry, it's verse 22 of chapter 1. You see, God places all things under Jesus' feet and appoints him head over everything. You see, Jesus is the one actually who has everything under his control. You see, Jesus truly has the power to reward you because he holds all the world's riches in his hands. Christ truly has the power over your bank balance and future financial security. He has the power over your reputation because what he says goes. And therefore Christ in a way, if I can put it like this, has really the power to destroy you. But remember that in the gospel you are safe. Because it's Jesus who has the, the rule of the world. Uh, if you're not a Christian here today, perhaps you're here for um, the, um, the Thanksgiving, it's great that you've come to church. Can I say that your greatest need this morning is to be mastered by Jesus Christ? Now, all of our lives are mastered by something. We all live for something, don't we? It might be work, it might be money, it might be family. It might just be we live for ourselves. But the problem with living for anything other than Jesus is that if we fail them, well then they punish us. As anyone here who's ever been made redundant knows. And the problem with anything other than Jesus is that, well, they can't save us from our greatest enemy, which is death. But you see, Jesus is the only master who, if you fail him, will forgive you. And who is so powerful that even death is no match for him and will sa- he will save your life forever and if you're not a Christian if you won't be mastered by Jesus well ultimately you will lose everything see Jesus must be our master he is a much better master than anyone else and so Christian if you are a Christian here you are serving a good master who cares about you and your work so employees obey Christ by treating your boss with respect. What about employers? Employers. Well, secondly, uh, verse 9. Uh, employers work under Christ by treating your workers with respect. Work under Christ by treating your workers with respect. And that's verse 9. Paul goes on to, to speak to the masters, uh, the ones who rule the slaves. And he says, treat your, your slaves in the same way. That is with respect. 
What does that mean? Two, I think, two ideas. Uh, firstly, treat your uh, workers without bullying. So Paul says, do not threaten uh, those under you because they, uh, like you, belong to Christ. See, Christian boss, if, if you are a boss in some way at work, your witness as a Christian employer really matters. And you're, you're not to bully those underneath you. Not to, uh, you're not to abuse the power that you have. So don't bully. And then, secondly, with fairness. See, that no favouritism, uh, verse, uh, verse 9. Uh, don't, treat the, don't treat those with favouritism underneath you. Don't pay uh, one worker more than another just because you happen to like them more. Um, I've tried to learn this as a self-employed musician, as a piano teacher, always trying to charge the same, uh, no matter who the pupil might be. I wonder, are you a boss over somebody at work? Maybe a line manager or an employer or an overseer. Well, how how are you treating those underneath you? Do you leave your Christian faith in your locker along with your belongings when you start the day? Do those you work with even know that you are a Christian? Would they be able to tell from your leadership? So you don't get to the point where you're frightened to speak out about your faith because you're secretly ashamed because you know you're not really living uh, like a Christian. See, no bullying, no favouritism. Employers work under Christ by treating your workers with respect. There's an application here, I think, about pride. See, the reason that bosses treat those under them badly is because of pride, isn't it? But being a Christian should destroy our pride. Why? How, how does that work? Well, because, Christian, you are always underneath Christ. And we never tell Christ what to do. He tells us, and we obey. But secondly, because of the example of Christ, who, as in another letter of Paul, uh, Paul says in another letter, Philippians, Christ didn't come to uh, be served, but to serve. Christ models servant leadership uh, to us. And as we remember later in communion, he, he died, he laid down his life uh, for those uh, underneath him. See, Christian boss, one of the most powerful statements about your faith you can make is if you model humble service, uh, especially to those right at the bottom of, of the ladder. Uh, talk to those employers no one else does. Befriend that new person in the office. So employers, work under Christ by treating your workers with uh, respect. See, here are Paul's lessons then for work. Whether we love our jobs or hate them, we are called to serve Christ through them. And doing that brings eternal uh, rewards. You don't need to step out of your job and become a minister or a missionary to serve Christ powerfully and faithfully in your job. Employees obey Christ by treating your boss with respect and employers work under Christ by treating your workers with respect. And just as I finish, what if you're not in work? How does this apply? Well, remember that the bigger picture of the Bible is that work is not just paid employment. It's much bigger than that. Uh, Anything that you do in ruling over and sort of doing something creative uh, with the things of the earth is work. So being a full-time parent or a carer or serving in the hundreds of different ways that a retired person does, volunteering, it all counts and we do all of it for Jesus. Let's pray together.
as we finish. <coughs> just a moment of quiet. Uh, just think about your work situation. What do you want to bring to the Lord Jesus about it today? Maybe putting him back at the centre of your work. Maybe bringing him a, a, a difficult relationship or boss that you have. Maybe giving him some anxiety over your work. Lord Jesus says elsewhere, come to me all ye who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are um, such a good boss, such a good master over us. Thank you that uh, your um, lordship gives rest. And I pray that as we go out uh, from today into our workplaces this week, um, that we might know more of what it is to serve you uh, in our jobs. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come now to our declaration of faith. So, please would you stand. And it's there on page seven in our books, right at the bottom of the page. And we say together, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. Would you kneel as we pray together?